Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you, are you done yet? We're going to start the show. Bobby Orr, behind that, the center, to Hey everyone's fans, thanks for tuning in to episode 154 of a Black and Gold Hockey podcast. Welcome back, Heather Ingerson. How's it going, Heather? I'm um, alright. How yeah. about you? Uh, a little bit of a roller coaster. And a we, long week. It has been a long week. Um, we will definitely talk about that soon. Um, speaking of the week, uh, how was your week, uh, particularly uh, on a very special young kid's uh moment yeah i was texted very often yesterday <laughs> with excitement so i'm kind of pumped to talk about this so my son eric scored his first two goals yesterday i know it's only my eye hockey i jokingly text you i think something like he's like pasternak weak angles but a good snipe it wasn't that dramatic but for him big day in his hockey career he's been a hockey player for six weeks and he got two goals in his game and he was very happy for himself, excited for himself. You can no, see he's just skating around. He's got that big old smile. and That's awesome, man. Congrats, Eric, man. Yeah. Many more, many more. Good job. And you have an awesome hockey name, so good luck yeah. to you. I love it. <laughs> um, the It was a uh, kind of a roller coaster week um, for everything Bruins-related. Uh, we do have four games to talk about, but... Um, we're trying to be excited, but as all of you know, it has not been a very happy week for the Bruins Nation necessarily. No, it's kind of like trending in the wrong direction. Um, they're still doing decent when you look at the standings. Um, we might as well just touch on that now. The Boston Bruins, after 20 games, have a 12-3-5 and record, which is respectable. Yep. It's absolutely respectable mm-hmm. for even going through a tough time. But they're earning points in those tough times, too which is important. So you can either take that with the bad or the good or whatever, however you want to take it. But the the team leads the league in goal differential. Um, and and if there's, uh, I'm going to save that one for, for our positive talk. Okay. But um, the, the uh, five, two, and three in the last 10 is uh, somewhat respectable too. So, um, but if there were going to be any positives out of this whole thing, how, how about, Two wheels. 
I have two positive things, I guess. One, we're not in last, we're still in first. Although Montreal is chasing our asses pretty hard, and so is Florida. Absolutely. They've been playing great. I don't know, like I said, I, did, I had a hard time finding another good Bruins one, so I had a, something about a fi the finish flash. But after last night, even though we lost, again, in a shootout, which we really suck at, I wish we never saw a shootout. Yaroslav Halak stopped a lot of shots yesterday versus a very, very, very offensive team, and that was a positive to me. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I just finally found another second Bruins positive. It's a, it's a rough week. We, like, Tori went down, like, the team's <laughs> oh, going God. down. We, and... we will talk about the injuries, yeah, too. So. But um, What are your two positive things? Mine is, and I didn't want to get to that because when I was going through the, the, the standings, I... I immediately saw it and didn't want to say it, but the Boston Bruins are still undefeated at home. Mm -hmm. They have a 7-0-4 record at, on TD Garden Ice, a place that was not very uh, good in the playoffs at, at, towards the end. We both know that. That's a terrible nightmare. Hate to keep bringing it up, but... Having a long enough week, I let yeah, that go. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mean, there are, there are some positives. And um, my second takeaway... When you think about the injuries we, that we're going to talk about, it, it's the younger uh, kids getting a, getting a chance to step you. in and, and show what they can do. You know, I, I'm a big, you know, I'm a big fan of the prospects, and when they get the opportunity, I get a little giddy, you know, because I'm a huge prospect guy. But. It's funny because you had said when I said we've got to like force ourselves to find two positive things to talk about. This was before we yeah. had our win on Friday. Oh, you yeah. know, that was, we've been, we've been pretty much time, touching on this all week. Pretty much Friday, Mark and I are looking at He's like, I was like, I think we should find two positive things. And he's looking at me like, hey, like, you want to find positive in something? But, like, he's like, you really want to do this? I'm like, there has to be two positive things, right? It was hard, but we both did it. Yay. Yeah, yeah, it was a good... It was and a good, four excellent things, I guess. It was a good thought. Yeah, we're definitely not chicken little skies falling, but it's hard to be a Bruins fan and not feel a little icky after the last, like, eight or nine days. Absolutely. Um, I'm reminded that episode 154 is sponsored by betonline.ag. Go to CLNS Media and uh, set yourself up a nice free account and uh, use CLNS50, the code, to um, get a nice little sweet bonus. So um, let's jump right into the week that was. The Boston Bruins had four games kicking off on September 10th against the Philadelphia Flyers at TD Garden. Unfortunately, the Bruins came up on the short end of the stick on this one, losing 3-2 to two in the shootout, but gained a point. Yep, we had no goals in the first. No one had any goals in the first, I don't think. Uh, and then we had uh, Heinen at 559. He got assists from Coyle and Shara. And at 12-22, Brad Marchand got one from Grizz. And then we ended up losing in the shootout. I hate the shootout. I resent the shootout at this point because we're so bad at it. Yeah, it's uh, terrible. So, <clears throat> let me sit up a little. <laughs> that was, I mean, the Philly oh, in Pasta got a penalty in the second, but and we, of course, got a too many men on the ice bench penalty. Shocker. Because, shocker. We're like the squirt levels offsides. Like, you just don't know how to get onsides. We just do oh. not know how to make a clean change. We just <laughs> cannot do it. I don't know why. It doesn't matter who's behind the bench. It just It's anticipation, I'm telling you. Um, so, how do you feel about the Philly game? I thought the Philly game wasn't too bad. And... But I thought it was good. I mean, it was a lot of good back and forth action. Um, I also don't like um, getting up on the score. Mm -hmm. 
and um, completely fallen apart. Um, the obviously the 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 first period was uh, highlighted by uh, the Philadelphia Flyers scoring the first two goals of the game, um, but the Boston Bruins come back in the late heroics to tie it up, ultimately losing in the shoot uh, in no no scoring in overtime and losing in the shootout. That's got to be reversed. You, I mean, that first period for me in that game, you weren't prepared at all, and you weren't ready, and you were fighting. You were fighting from the get go. That's got to stop. And and Bruce Cassidy has said plenty of times about that that they have to have quicker starts and and make a um a, a more of an impact in these games. I gotta be honest, I'm feeling a little annoyed with Bruce Cassidy a little bit, uh, frustrated. You know what I mean? Because. Part of this Philly game was a lot of the same stuff we were seeing versus Detroit on Friday. Uh, I think that they played better than they did against Detroit overall. Uh, but he had, I don't remember what after game when it was like, you know, something about, you know, it's like the way you start. It's like, no guy, after losing five out of six, you have to start thinking it's how you finish, not how you start necessarily. So that's the one thing that I said, this was an all right game to me because at least unlike the Tuesday game we'll talk about, at least they were down and came back and like put a fighting chance for themselves in it. Do you know what I mean? And yep. Philly's been playing well. They're kind of becoming the Philly we thought they might be when we talked about them in the off season. But we suck in a shootout. I hate it. I hate I and the thing that flabbergasts me is look at all the points people we have you know, I just I just don't feel like it I know it's a different situation than when you're in game with a goaltender. But I still have a hard time thinking, like, a Pasternak can't pick a corner. Like, you know, mm. like, it's almost like they feel they the same that, that one, I feel. They got for that one time. Like, as a fan, when we get to the overtime, I want to be hopeful. But I know once the Bruins were in overtime, it's just a matter before we're in a shootout and then we're in trouble, right? Just yep. in, in my heart of hearts, a lot of times, that's how it is. And I feel like they feel the same way. Once they get to the shootout, it's like, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like whatever like the game's over it's points tough. whatever this oh it's tough but i just do i am a little annoyed with bruce cassidy because honestly guys sometimes it's not the way you start because after all it is the way you finish and i don't want us to be the 40 minute bruins again i want us to be the 60 minute bruins and i get that can be sharp contrast to how well and clean and neat and tight they were playing in the first month but there's been a lot of things regardless of injury that have mm -hmm. Not luck so hot, not just this week, but even leading out of the week before. I agree. All right, let's move on, I guess. Move, yeah, this is the tough one. Moving on to the next game, which was on November 12th, 2019, Tuesday night at TD Garden against the Florida Panthers. Um, and the, uh, the Panthers walk away with a, the extra point in the shootout. Um, but we've got to talk about the... Uh, the what happened within? Um, I thought the game was really. I mean, the first period was a little lackluster. I think these two teams that were playing with each other for the first time, yeah, um, you know, wanted to feel each other. I thought it was a little bit back and forth, a little bit gritty, and I liked it. I liked the tone of the start, and the, what I really Wait, liked. Even did we play Florida in Florida already? I don't know. I can't remember. We'll look later. But just right. keep moving. Let's focus on this horrific event. So. Uh, what I did like about the is the start um, in the second period. They really dominated the second period. Four straight goals 
uh, highlighted by the, uh, David Pasternak, his 16th, uh, assisted by Bergeron. Uh, Joachim Nordstrom gets his second from Coyle. Anders Bjork, playing very well, gets his third from Krejci and Marshan. And Tadeno Chara gets one, um, his third from Krejci and Heinen. Um, and, and then it was 4 nothing going into the third period, and the Bruins came out and just... Frank Vedrano. Yeah, Frank Vedrano <laughs> gets a goal, Aaron Ekblad gets a goal, Mike Hoffman gets a goal, and, and local guy Keith Yandel um, gets a goal. So the, can I just, can the I... wheels completely yeah. fell off, and it was not good. Um, they, they, you know, when in this situation, and I hate to be graphic about it, but you got to put your skate on the necks of these of these teams, and you don't let up. That is, I mean, in in other terms, keep your foot on the damn gas and don't let up. You had a four goal lead. It's ridiculous that they given up these in late games, and I'm I'm not. It, goes, it was like the Pittsburgh game nightmare all over. Yeah, Can but I they say, won that. I couldn't even think of like the words, but um, a local like diehard sports fan around here i forgot to ask if i could say her last name so i won't but she's listening she knows who it is but emily uh you know her she works at a local grocery store and all our own stuff but anyways emily summed up on a facebook post i think how my brain because my brain was short-circuiting with f-bombs and not kind things and obviously injuries uh but she wrote, feeling disappointed. How to describe each part of tonight's Bruins game. First period, okay. Second period, awesome. Four goals. Third period, are you kidding me? Overtime, so close. Shootout, what did I just watch? That pretty much sums up right. the emotional well said, cycle. Emily. So thank you, Emily, for I letting think... me... Uh... Is she a listener? Uh, she may or may not listen. I think she yeah, does. Emily, if, a... if you listen, thank you very much for, um, for supplying... Uh, your comments on that game because yeah. you're absolutely correct. It was just funny. My aunt happened to see it on Facebook, and yeah. I was like, "Can you private message her and see if I can just screenshot that?" Because That's awesome. Emily used mine had a little bit of f, what f f <laughs> in the last line. But it was very graphic. Again, another. It was like, yeah, you're right. We won the Pittsburgh game, but the Florida game is the type of game because your ass blew four goals. Yeah. is why I hate the fact you even get to get a point. Because you're my team, and I don't think you deserve the point. Exactly. Also, not not for nothing, but I think Tuca should have been pulled after the third goal. I agree. I'm not saying everything's his fault, always doing, but he is the goaltender, and he's getting shelled. Shelled. Like, it's it's no man's land. He, she, just, she just puked a little. Yeah, I can't. And it's not, <laughs> again, it's not all to whatever, but I just... That's when uh, I didn't I text you something like this wouldn't happen if Claude Julian was here. You can say whatever you want about Claude, oh, but yeah. at that case, it would and for him it wouldn't even been necessarily to punish Tuka. It would be to get Tuka out of that freaking situation because right. it's only spiraling out of control. And as the rest of the boys don't seem to be making a pulse to take back control of the game. Seems like Bruce in situations like that want to see these guys fight it out for themselves. Yeah, get out of their funk on themselves without and taking that, without focusing the blame on one player. And I get and, that. But if you're not playing good, yeah. and Tuka, and I'm not even going to say just Tuka. No. Both goalies have been atrocious for about a week and a half right. in my in yeah. my recollection. And, I, and that's, my memory doesn't go back very far. So. No, Halak is the, in the last, like, week and a half, Halak had the best game of our goaltenders last night. Go figure. 
I know, and we lost. But yeah, that's my whole thing. It's like it's not even to punish Tuka. It's like to get him out of there yeah. because obviously everything is it. Don't make it worse. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. What's the worst that's happening? They've already co- coming back, but like. You've uh, already exposed something that the that the uh, opposing players are, are picking up on, and it's and it's like a, it's just like a, a small wound that just keeps opening and opening and opening. You're getting more and more beat to situations, puck battles, and in positioning. You're, the Boston Bruins positioning it's been terrible, especially on the defense. Letting the goalies up to dry, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. D has not been. Yeah, but it's. Like we talk about, though, all the time. It becomes a team problem. Like, yeah. We don't tend to have one yeah. area that's having an issue. Defense is like everybody. We're either <laughs> on or we're so far off that things like this, and they get, I don't saying they're getting panicky, they're professionals, but yeah. we have a weird mix of, like, the baby bees are up with them, we've got the injury, and that's fine, but you can't have it both ways. You can't subscribe to this is next man up and we're okay. And like part of what makes us such a sexy team is that you can kind of just, the show keeps going on and on and on. Agreed. But then also go, oh, well, there's been injuries and what? No, you yeah. lost that game. If you were my kid, I would ground you for that kind of behavior. <laughs> Engage and, every moment. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. And that again, this goes back to it doesn't really matter how you start or at least in this case, middle middle of the period. Like... I need you to be the back 40, not the front 40. <laughs> like, you know exactly. what I mean? Just, same Move. thing can be said about games. Look at St. Louis. They're the Stanley Cup champions. Go. I know. And they're doing pretty good. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Friday night's game, November 15th, against the one and only Toronto Maple Leafs. These are always good battles. Love these games. Um, I'm, I'm an original six guy um, through and through. I uh, love my history. But um, and I love the way that this this team continues to find ways to beat this Toronto Maple Leafs club. Um, shout out to the overtime, oh podcast. I I, I missed something there. But anyway, <laughs> they uh, know what you mean. No, he's a good guy and does a good program. Uh, I I'll, I'll talk about him again soon. Uh, Charlie Coyle starts this game off uh, scoring his third from Grizzly and Bjork um, at the thirteen forty eight mark. Uh, Austin Matthews comes back in the second period to tie it. Third period, pretty much a, a bit of an explosion for the Boston Bruins and a little bit for the uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Kind of got a little bit of a scare there. But um, Brad Marchand gets his 12th from Carlo and Bergeron at the 11 second mark of the third period. Nice way to start the period. Um, but the uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, Kasperi Kapanen. Uh, the 354 mark of the third period gets back and it is tied at two. Brad Marchand would later at the 508 mark of the third period give the 3-2 lead to the Bruins on his 13th from Coyle and Krejci. And Zdeno Chara blasted. He blasted a puck into the empty net, which he's supposed to do, but it was so hard for the linesman to get the puck out of the net, which I thought was funny. They almost had to get the uh, the uh, maintenance staff of the arena out there to get a pry bar in there and try to pry it out. But That's why he's won the fastest, hardest shot. Good win. Good road win. Mm-hmm. Um, always going to be Toronto. Yeah, always going to be Toronto, no matter where you are, but uh, in hostile territory of that crazy place and, and what I consider the mecca of hockey. And it, I know you, you got that face. I love that face. You should move to Toronto. They also no, think that. No, I don't want to do that. But anyway, um, no, it's a good win. And uh, in, in my moment to say, let's turn this around. Let's get this week out of here. And then 
I was feeling all right Friday. I was like, all right, Mashi's looking good. Like, again, Shara, oh, Captain's a dude. No, I, I just know. love that dude. Uh, and again, leaves. I always forget how fast they are, too. And that, you know, lucky we had no... But then everything was fine. And then and then also that night, Montreal beat the Capitals. I was like, oh, awesome. Montreal beat the Capitals. So everybody else's schedule was working with us. So yeah, and we've got back-to-backs, cool. too. So maybe the Caps are going to take a little stinger from the Montreal Canadians. And that was great until we took a little sting from the Washington Capitals. Yes. And moving on to the next game, the Last second night. of a back-to-back. -back. Um, and this is technically... The second back-to-back -back that the Boston Bruins had in, in two weeks, uh, dating back to the fourth and the fifth when they played Pittsburgh and Montreal. Um, this time, it's the you go from one extreme to the other. Um, you go from a division foe to the uh, the league best. Yeah. Honestly, this uh, this Washington team is really good, and I am and I'm not a hater. I'm not hating on the bees, and I'm not doing anything like that, but. Traditionally, in the past, I have literally passed up on tickets to go to a Bruins-Washington game because look at the trend. It's usually painful to watch. It's usually painful to watch. It's kind of like a waste of money and so on. I do not want to go to see a, uh, a Bruins team um, that traditionally loses to uh, one team over and over again. That's just bad juju. So um, the Boston Bruins did not win this game against the Washington Capitals, but they did walk away with a point and another one at home to continue the home winning. Mm -hmm. Loving that. That's a positive that we talked about earlier. McAvoy had a great game. He was yes, much were... more active yeah. and more, which is good because after what happened on Tuesday, like this is when you do stop, stop. You need to help Z keep control of this, you know what I mean, yep. and settle it yep. in. We'll definitely talk good. about that later on in uh, an article that Jimmy Murphy wrote that I thought was fantastic and, and a good uh, discussion point for this podcast. Uh, but Charlie Coyle, he's been playing really good lately, mm -hmm. gets on the board first at the 11.32 mark of the first, um, and then the, the Capitals tie it up. Um, at the 14-27 mark, Travis Boyd gets scores his first. Congratulations on your first goal, loser. Um, but the second, the second period, David Pasternak, he's been unbelievable this season, scores his 17th from McAvoy and Krejci at the 3.30 mark of the second period to give the Boston Bruins a 2-1 lead. And this is when you really needed the team to buckle down, hold the lead, but also please... I mean, Braden Holtby is a very tough goaltender no matter what. He's the, it, uh, always the league best. Um, but you have to get more shots on him. You have to get more opportunities to get him moving cross side to side. Yeah, he you have to get moving. Or yeah, not I mean, like... he is such a focused goaltender when he's square to the puck. And you can shoot it at his chest. You can shoot it anywhere. He's going to get it. You have to get him moving lateral um, to beat him because he's, so, he's that good. And he's that athletic. So, And we did keep it. The lead for a very long time until about 1901. Exactly, and that's when T.J. Oshie scores his tenth of the of the year um, to uh, finish the period. No goals in overtime, and the uh, the the shootout again. The shootout, and I can't stand it. <laughs> yep, we'll talk about it later because that was a mailbag question from one of our listeners. Oh, yeah, I added a mailbag. I'm sorry I didn't tell you in the pre-show notes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
I mean, the, the Bruins walk away with a point. Keep the home uh, cooking going uh, with uh, no having given up a regulation loss at the TD Garden. So, um, but it was another game that I thought that the Bruins could have won because they did play Washington very well. Washington did play. I'm not sure who they played uh, the night before. They played. They played the uh, the Canadians. The Canadians. The okay. Canadians, I was like, "Woo, Montreal okay. smoking you." <laughs> and if I if you said that earlier, I apologize. I probably did. I okay. <laughs> but um, so yeah, you get two tired teams on the back end of a back to back, um, so um, you know it, and it's Washington. I just I didn't expect it, but walking away there with a point, I'm happy with. I'm not happy with the overall result, as you know, the Bruins are my team. Those are yeah, my boys. I know. But. You know, it could have been worse though versus Washington. It sure but I, could. It's like I, I couldn't decide if this was more frustrating because it was like, a we really needed the back to back wins. Obviously, um, like the Capitals, I'm I you know how everyone's like comparables this like Washington is a different kind of team than we are, but they're a highly they're in one of the top teams in the conference, you know. So it was like I kind of could have really had them use that win as the. Confidence booster back into okay. We got this We if we can be you know, it's been a little dicey here and there But you know we can beat Toronto and Washington back-to-back but You know, it was it was a Much cleaner game last night and more like they do and should be playing again I understand there are people who are plugged in and everything but like Halak his uh, save percentage was 0.955 whatever their numbers haven't looked like that this week. It's been like Tukas has been hovering around like 883, yeah. whatever. So yeah. uh, stopping 42 shots off of, like I said, this is one of my positives. They're like, all right, well, Halak. Because like you said, both goaltenders have been, everything's been a little shaky, but neither goaltender has looked Somewhat mediocre if you throw yeah. a word out. But Halak looked like solid, like Halak, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean, it could have been much worse. I guess I just shoot out sock like I, I can't and I that's great and it's like I know we want to look at the positive well we still got some points but like I'm thinking of all the points we dropped and we had a really hot quick start yeah but it does no matter if we're gonna play this game for three or four weeks because like I said and that's great if that's the attitude you want but I don't want Montreal to be first in the Atlantic come no. next week no, I and don't they either. very well could be I don't either. you know what I mean and it's not just because it's Montreal like you I'm not I don't think anybody should be as insane as Tampa Bay was, but, like, there's a reason that you got off to that start and you're playing that well, you know? And now it's, like, this week's just been everything. Like I said, it's been the they're slowly killing me week. I need you, like you said, you I just need you to grit it for that last 59 seconds or yep. whatever it is, and we've had a hard time with that this week. And I know we know they can do it, you know, just like, oh, absolutely. again, like I said, I'm not a Cassidy person. Like I'm not the, I'm not the Cassidy person. Meaning I'm not the, they're like two schools. They're like, Cassidy's a good coach. I'm in that. Then there's, Bruce Cassidy is the greatest coach that's ever lived and ever will coach in Boston. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've had some pretty awesome coaches come yeah, from Boston, absolutely. you know, but Ones with some of the cups. things even, I find that this happens though when we're having issues and then it's like even like the coach I well, feel you nitpick. like they nitpick everybody, right, like, everybody does like, it like again I respect you want them to work it out but not after you've dropped four games won a game versus you're like the person you've had to face in the playoffs yeah. and now you're playing in Washington who by the way is acting like they're like I can't believe we let the St. Louis Blues win our cup last year and they weren't even in the finals like do you right. know what I mean right. like they're coming back like Ovechkin's got in his head 
he him and Nikki need another cup before he retires. You know yep. what I mean? Then he can go back to Russia, be a dad, live his crazy OV life. You know, whatever. Sorry. It's so, all right. <laughs> um, I did write F off, F off, F off, because <laughs> that's just how I feel about the shootout. <laughs> that, that wasn't so much how the boys played more towards the shootout of. Well, <sighs> speaking of effing off, the Boston Bruins cannot F off during this upcoming week. And you shouldn't F off on this upcoming week when it comes to placing a wager. If you're in into gambling and so on, um, check out betonline.ag. Uh, the Boston Bruins and all and AHL Providence Bruins are fully involved in their respective 2019-20 regular seasons. So placing a wager on any professional sport in Boston or worldwide has never been more exciting than with the great folks at betonline.ag. You can place a wager on action in the AHL, NHL, baseball, basketball, football, NASCAR, and many other popular professional sports. And guess what? Because you're loyal listeners of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast and CLNS Media Content, we're giving you a 50% bonus onto your sports betting bankroll when you go to betonline.ag and use the code CLNS50. This added bonus is only for your first ever deposit, and the best part is the bonus is added onto your balance within seconds. Again, support our Black and Gold Hockey Podcast by going to betonline.ag and use code CLNS50. Please remember a minimum deposit of $55 is required to qualify for the bonus. Please see BetOnline's general rules for additional terms and conditions regarding bonuses. Don't sit on the sidelines, Heather, even though you're wearing goddamn That's Buffalo right. Bills gear. Um, That's right. My Bills play in Miami, and after the traumatizing week of the Bruins and my Bills losing to the Cleveland Browns last week, I really need them to beat the Miami Dolphins because I just need to remember we don't have to lose to teams like... Yeah, we could have won last week, too. It was bad, but, like... And my cousin Joey loves the Miami Dolphins, so... I need the divisional points. I need Joey to know that my team's better than his. And also, I don't want anything black and gold on me at this current day. This is the day off. I'm soaked in my red, white, and blue. I'm a good old... But folks, regardless... Sorry, we're going thing. But folks, regardless of... I gotta be positive. I know. Regardless of your fandom and where you sway, get in all the action with that online... Even if you like basketball. Get in all the action with betonline.ag, your online sports wagering expert. I wanted to finish that on a high note. I'm sorry. I thought you were done. No. Not going to lie, usually when you're doing No, it, usually like, I like to throw in and I'll point at you and like say something. As yeah. I'm like, <laughs> you're distracting me by the bills and then you always have the highlights on. So it's like, oh, hey, oh, listen. Hey, on the highlight side, can I just say I hate the Edmonton Oilers or new disgusting weird orange jerseys. Yeah, those are disgusting. Bad. Burn them. But in the hockey studio during the hockey podcast, you got to keep everything going hockey. I know. Because we love it. We do. But, I get that. But I'm also a highly distractible individual. Anyways, we're going to be positive. Yes, we're going to be positive. We're going to because, Jersey. Yes, we're going to be on the road in Jersey. So we have a two-day break. The Boston Bruins play the Devils. Is it the Prudential Center? Yes. Okay. Uh, the Prudential Center uh, on Tuesday, November 19th. Um, then they come home, a little home cooking. Hopefully the, this keeps going against a Buffalo team that's struggling. But one person not struggling is Jack Eichel. Yeah. Watch out for that guy. He scored four goals last night. I so, had gone to college in the area. So crazy. Yeah, BU, not a big deal. Oh, sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Um, but anyway, 
uh, that's a game that they can definitely win. Buffalo's a younger team, still trying to figure it out, so take advantage of that. But they've and, had some good streaks this year, too, yep, so if we catch them have. on a good day. They did the same thing last year. They went on like a 10-game freaking uh, opening streak, and then they kind of filled it off Yeah, but they're that. playing different. That was definitely like a flukish 10 games where this year they are starting to work out some of the Because like you said, they are a young team. They've been rebuilding, you know, thing, and they've made some moves. they got a new coach, you know. Things are kind of like in Florida moving towards a more positive direction to take the parts they do have, build on them, and maybe yep. actually get in the mix a little. And it seems all the people who are supposed to be at the top seem to be at the bottom. <laughs> Just kidding. And then uh, finish the uh, three-game week on Saturday night, the Minnesota Wild, these very struggling Minnesota Wild. Let's see what they are. They are dead last. Uh, and they have 16 points, which means... They are dead last. In that the means league. even Detroit and Ottawa have more points than them. That, exactly. That's how. So that's another game that the the Bruins have to take advantage of, and 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 I hate to say it, but ruin um, Bill Guerin's uh, return yeah. to his home state. Sorry, Billy. Yeah. I feel bad I like for Bill you, Guerin. I really do. That's, I that's do because tough. I think he's got so much like. But I think whatever, I think. But... You're gonna see, and I hate to go off on another on another team because we're we're Bruins podcast, but when you think about the Minnesota Wild and Bill Guerin, I think that this summer, the off season, he is gonna show what kind of GM he can be by shaking things up. I mean, th those contracts of Zach Parisi and and uh, I keep wanting to call this guy Gary Suter, <laughs> Gary Suter from back in the '80s. I think it's Ryan Ryan yeah, Suter. He got they got him from Nashville, I believe. So. Those guys eat up a lot of that cap space, man. And he's got to do something there. I'm not sure. I don't have the cap friendly up right now, but... Well, he's inherited a team that kind of blew itself up, has these crazy contracts. Like, you know, they were selling everybody who's gone. I mean, we bought Charlie yeah. Cole, you know. Well, Paul up. Fenton didn't help either. Well, that's what I mean, is that... <laughs> well, and we talked about that this summer, right? When we were excited that Bill Guerin's getting his little turn that, you know... Maybe Bill Guerin should have got the job in the first place, and now he has to go in this season and kind of just survive and clean up some of the mess and make a plan, just right. like Don Sweeney did coming in. You know what I mean? Every time you switch over, you have to kind of clean up whatever is kind of messy, try to figure out, establish what your direction is and what your end game is, right? And then I think Bill Guerin, just unfortunately, it's been more messy in Minnesota, I think, than they anticipated even for the, I mean, this, this is a playoff team from not that long ago. Yeah, exactly. And they seem to, kind of like the Jets started blowing themselves up and. Oh, no, oh, did you, speaking of Minnesota, there's a, there's a heavy, heavy, heavy word out there that they're not interested in keeping Ryan Donato. Oh yeah, I've been hearing that too. Okay. That he I, I, I heard that the other day. But I also think that's kind of stupid because how much worse can Ryan Donato be making your team? He can't yeah. be making that much money, and he does have skill if you could develop it. Maybe Bear, Billy. Garrett but that might be that there. might be a trade chip too that they use his talent and no his skill. No one wants to come set. play in Minnesota. Right. Ryan Donato probably doesn't even want to play in Minnesota. He's still trying to figure out why. <laughs> what did I do to get my ass traded here? I'm just saying it. I don't think that's going to be a desirable location at least for a year. Because it's so uncertain. Just like it was hard to get people to play in Buffalo. And mm -hmm. Kruger seems to have like lulled some people oh, into yeah. like, no, it's going to be better, I promise. Cause See, it's amazing what a uh, top two draft pick will do. It's kind of like <laughs> ironic that like McDavid and even Taylor Hall yep. and Jack Eichels of the world, they have 
superstar blockbuster stature, but drafted by a really shitty team. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Or at least they became they didn't pan out the way it should have been. So those there's a handful of gentlemen in the league that are sitting. Those players around have always been like involved because it. they're in the process of a rebuild. Yeah. you know what I mean. Exactly. How really, rebuild? You know, and that sucks for a player like that. And like the first round pick, you're either going to be trash, not, not trash, but the team's not going to be very good for a long period of time as they're rebuilding and putting the place, pieces together. But you're pretty much going to be out of the picture by the time the team actually gets good. Yeah. That's, a, that's the unfortunate part of hockey, you know yeah, what I mean? That these teams need to decide. Because, like, Buffalo, they have to make it a good showing or they're not um, going to be able to retain the Pagulas are really good owners, man. They, yeah. they, I mean, they've done really good things with uh, the Buffalo, the Harvest Center, and the Key uh, Center. Uh, which is right next door to each other, and the training facilities have been stepped up. So, I mean, I like Buffalo. I mean... Yeah, it's a good old American city. Speaking of Americans, before we take a break, um, we'll... Uh, actually, we are going to take a break. What about uh, Americans? I'm an American, you're an American. Some people listen to I know, to but American college. I knew we're, you were going to go there. We're gonna... <laughs> I was joking. I can see your list. <laughs> we, um, we are going to take a break. We're going to hear from the great folks at uh, College Hall. College Hockey Incorporated. Uh, they do a fantastic uh, little thing f for uh, college students, uh, parents, uh, and even aspiring college players. So uh, check them out at collegehockeyinc.com. And we'll be right back. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Nick Bukestad. Backhand score! Wow, what a goal! David Backus. And Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! And we're back. I uh, just heard from the great folks at College Hockey Inc. They have a Fantastic podcast. Follow their Twitter account at College Hockey. Um, Nate Yule and Brett Schlossman doing a fantastic job on reporting on the uh, the week that was. And um, and for Boston Bruins, you can also follow College Hockey to check out um, Bruins prospects from Michigan: Jack Becker and John Beecher, uh, Cam Clark from Ferris State, Curtis Hall from Yale University, Dust Dustin McFall. From Clarkson, Quinn Olson from Minnesota Duluth, and and here in New England we got Jeremy Swayman from the University of Maine. So definitely check those guys out. Check out the website. They do a like I said, they do a fantastic job, and uh, learn about your Boston Bruins prospects, and uh, and others uh, by listening to our Black and Gold Hockey uh, Prospects podcast that we do every week with my boy Tim Ol uh, Tim Olson, Tim Richardson. Wow. Well, to be fair, you did just say Quinn also. I did. They are I did. I get, I get so Also, just watch college hockey and watch the kids because they are, a lot of them are Absolutely. future superstars in the league on any team, so. I've noticed, folks, and I'm, not, I'm getting on a little tangent here, but if you if you want to get into the prospects involved in college hockey, this, this year I've seen more and more attention being paid to college hockey. Um, not particularly gravitate to the Bruins prospects like so many people want but there are avenues out there that you can seek and, and watch these games by streaming them online just go to the Twitter or each individual college hockey um, website they normally have the updated um, information that you need so uh, 
Check it out. And there's a growing trend that a lot of kids don't get drafted. They come up, they play their four exactly. years. Which, not, not to bring Ryan Donato up again. This goes back to should have listened to Mom Heather and go back and get your last degree. That kid had a lot of pressure to turn pro when he probably wasn't ready to turn pro in the first place. And then we kind of been watching Jimmy him, you know, Pacey, the Jimmy Pacey disease but I'm just saying I, I think everybody should finish their college degree unless you really are like a knockout standout like you are going to make a major impact as a professional on the elitist of elite levels I agree uh, because I don't think that a career or no career is going to happen like if you play at college till you're 22 very rarely are you going to be in a situation A you're probably playing on an elite D1 team and two don't think that that will ever stunt your growth because you will be playing against the other future superstars either way whether you stay till junior i just that's just me yeah so watch a lot of like i said the future nhl stars right there exactly um moving on to some topics that we uh we kind of scrounged together um last night great great uh, thing that the boston bruins uh foundation raised over $211,000 to benefit the family of fallen firefighter, Worcester firefighter, Jason Menard. Yeah, and yeah. So, for those of you who aren't from around here, yeah. he lost his life last week uh, in a fire. Uh, the bravest were responding. Uh, he saved an infant, and then he went back in to help get his some of his crew out, and he unfortunately did not make it back out himself. So, uh, t terrible news, very unfortunate, um, and another tragedy in the city of Worcester mm -hmm. that just seems to um we keep keep getting haunted by 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 these uh these events that are terrible events uh, but the one of the greatest things was just the how the community gets together and um and benefits when something something like this happens um because it is very respectful um and and honor so uh so I, I i think they said a hundred percent did they say 100% of the proceeds Probably. are going back to the family of um, firefighter Menard? So, and I know Tunnels to Towers is also doing. They've had an event going there, which is a national organization yep. that helps you know first responders and their families after these kind of things. And absolutely, it's, it is that I, it is tragic, and it's going to be very sad on Monday because yep. it's local, and you know that they'll show the procession and stuff. And if anybody, if anybody out there has a GoFundMe. An official GoFundMe. Please do your research on what's official and what's not. But once they uh, find one, send it to me, um, and we will donate uh, a, a portion of what we make here at the Black Girl Hockey Podcast to uh, that family. So we'll do our part to, uh, to say thanks for his service and and you know continued thoughts on his family moving forward because it's never easy. It's never gonna be easy, you know. It maybe if easier that this goes back to like we talk about like this i'm sure it's the same way other places but boston we really are a commonwealth and when things happen everyone comes together and the bruins you know they always always walk the walk yep. even just i saw in the paper as a local thing that uh some some money was given towards the local boys and uh the boys and girls club in salisbury a town next to us yep. you know uh, yep. there was they're doing some renovations and they've had some money coming in from all places, but apparently Ray Bork was present to tell the kids, you know, brought a little money and it just, they really do walk the walk when it comes to giving back to the community and it's times like this where come through because that's a lot of money to help and. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I want to think about it. It's sad. It is. It's very sad. Um, 
moving on to some kind of a more uh, happy t discussion. Uh, Charlie Coyle has been playing much better as of late with a goal in his last two games and currently on a four-game point streak, which yielded a two-goal, three-assist, five-point effort. So it's nice to see him in the point production um, fold. Uh, and he's working with some a mixed bag of revolving door players. Uh, he seems like the new Krejci. Uh, just, you know what I mean? Just can't seem to hang oh, on to a certain right wing or a left wing. But I, I believe that wh whoever he's paired with on that line, he works very well with, especially with the younger players. And I was particularly happy. I mean, I had the boing uh, thing going with the lineup of uh, Coyle, Anders Bjork, and Danton Heinen. I know, that's your dream line. I think just generally... I want to Heinen's see more of that. Heinen's been playing some sexy hockey all over, even though maybe points again not on there, but he's been helping try to keep it together, keep, you know, thing. But that's what you've been saying you want that line to be anyways. Yep. And and the fact is that, unfortunately, we will talk about it in a little bit. Um, it's actually on the next topic, but uh, it was good to see David Krejci getting a role on the first line in between Marshan and Pasternak, I thought they did okay. Um, so, I like the third line. I wish they keep it. Have some trust, Bruce. Please have some trust. That that line could be so good. You have a puck-protecting center, and you have a, a good two-way forward, defensive responsible, and um, all over the ice. 200-foot I mean, Danton Heinen. I'm a big fan. And then you have... Uh, Anders Bjork with the shot, skill, and the speed. It's it just made to happen. Please do it. I'll send you a check if you do it. It's not going to be much because I don't make much. But anyway, I just uh, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan. So I'm sorry. I was thinking. Let's just let the Bruins keep continuing to support his checks. But no, it's a good line. I prefer Coil on. I understand that's for necessity. Sometimes I do he goes not to the like second, him but on I the prefer, right side. I right. I I think that he is a solid third line center and a, part of our strength is the fact of our depth right so we generally have all four lines doing exactly what those different lines should be doing you know what I mean our third line as composed like that is better than some people's top lines out there in the league but I think it's like he's born to play, like you said, with those kind of combos of players. But I don't like him on the right side at all. It's not against him. It's just I don't feel like he's utilized to his potential necessarily when he's put out there. Yep. He does more, I think. And I think he feels, I guess that's it. I think he feels more comfortable playing center. I'm, I'm comfortable with, with him there. You know what I mean? It's just... I, like, I don't like when you take players unless they are groomed into it. I don't see Charlie Coyle, and I and I didn't watch a lot of Minnesota hockey either, but I didn't I don't like when they're taken out of their their comfort zone and being thrown around. Now, if you're a player that has versatility, like Bjork, Heinen, Solarik, those guys can play both sides comfortably, even their off wing if needed, it's fine. But I, that that center position. It's like I remember back in the day when 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 uh, Ryan Donato was getting his first looks in the NHL, and you know going to Harvard and playing a little bit at, at in Providence, he was center. 
but the idea was when he was brought up, he'd be on the right side. And it's like, well, why would you do that? If there's no if there's no room for him up almost, the middle, then why bring him up? Then almost punish him for not being so good on the right side after you've trained him to be right. Because some, and it seems silly. It's, it's nothing against a player, but some people are more naturally adaptable to those kind of things. Agreed. Like some people can play right, left, center. Doesn't matter, right? Bacchus is always he was always a player even when he was younger. He plays better on. I'd rather see him on the right than the left, but he was always a player that could play any position and kind of figure out to play there that way. Not everybody's like that. Do you know what I mean? I do. Not every wing, for the same reason, not every wing can even play center. You know, like it is a different skill set. And I, I don't understand why, especially that line's been, regardless who's been on the third line, has been pretty consistent mm -hmm. with Coyle and mostly, I guess, Hyden's been down there with him, even though he moves around a lot to fit the needs of. That particular game i don't understand why you would disrupt the comfort zone like that it just yeah, no. this goes back to like casting again i think you're a good coach but sometimes you do the weirdest things to me right in your team seemingly for no reason to like if like if moving him was going to produce like a lot more speed or offense or whatever you're looking for for the particular move i mean that would make sense but it really doesn't, and it almost hinders the objective. You know, it just seems like that's the weird thing to experiment with for mm -hmm. no reason. Well, I agree. And I get like right now again, there's a lot of young kids up, and maybe he's just trying to figure it out and making sure everyone can. Well, it's, that's a good segue right into our next topic, which is the injured list continues to grow, um, <laughs> and with the uh, the news of yesterday, um, Patrice Bergeron in yesterday's game was a late scratch. Um, said it was lower body, but day to day is what Bruce Cassidy mentioned in his post game interview or pre game interview. Uh, said that just kind of took me like it's going to be a maintenance day because the fact is that he something was mentioned either he mentioned or another writer in the area vicinity heard if it wasn't a back to back game, he would have played. So he would have played through it. So if there's any, I don't think there's any significant to what's well, going he, on. He Probably played the like groin. 19 minutes or whatever. So he played his normal amount of, around the normal amount of minutes he plays. So in the Friday I, night's game. Yeah. So yeah. I'm thinking it probably just just the maintenance back -back. day because you don't want him to aggravate that groin. That's always aggravated, you know. But that list has now one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, has reached ten. Um. So we have. I was like punk. Yeah, we have Kevin Miller, he's on the IR, John Moore is still on the IR, Anton Bleed, uh, I'm sorry, Miller is the knee, Moore is a shoulder, Anton Bleed is a torn shoulder ligament, it, probably in Providence anyway, so uh, Coleman still on the IR with a hairline fibula fracture, Bacchus upper body, DeBrusque lower body, Brett Ritchie upper body, Tory day to day, Tory Krug, Upper body, uh, he's been officially on the IR. Zach Senishin is officially on the IR with a lower body, and then Patrice Bergeron with lower body is day to day. What they say, Senishin's four weeks, right? Yeah, so he's going to get evaluated in four weeks, and that's not saying that he's going to be healthy enough to go in four weeks, but they'll see how everything heals. Isn't it sad we have to hope he's healthy in four weeks because he and he's a fill-in role, like because yeah. so many people are down. I know. Uh. Oh, Tori. Yeah. 
No, it's like normally it's preseason or right before postseason. It's not usually. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> two but months into the season. Losing Tory, you've lost a lot, and um, yeah, well, I mean, everyone, you, the power the power play has not been good, and I'll I'll just go and and take care of one of the questions. Uh, on the mailbag right now, but you know, like Chris Blackie, a uh, good friend of the show and former member, I mean, uh, you know, mm. made an appearance on the program in the past, mentioned that uh, the power play is like one for whatever since Krug's been out of the lineup and it's not good. Mm. So that's a kind of a point that you've only, with all that talent on the power play, you miss out that guy that plays the bumper, that plays the quarterback role. Is, is that much missed that your power play, and how many times and chances they've had since he's been out, you've only gotten one. And they were already having trouble on the power play with him even in because we had talked, I don't know, it was last week, the week before, about how, like, normally our power play is like 90%, like, you know what yeah. I mean, consistently. But, yeah, yeah to, and it's not just him, but that... It's because everybody does things differently. Do you know what I mean? So it's not because McAvoy or Grizzlick or whoever isn't... It's not helping that you have Krug and DeBrusco because they've been playing them. Uh, they were running them on the power play a little bit. You know, and I when they were playing... I just... It's just indicative of how it scares me. Not because I think this team is fragile because I do think this is a team that can keep it together and even through the hard times come out all right on the other side. Um, but it concerns me when you take a player like a Tory Krug out how significantly it impacts what else happens on that ice and he's a defenseman do you know what I mean yeah. and it's not you know that's a little scary we've come out you know whatever we shoot out losses or whatever we're still a little unscathed but a lot of that has to do with we did have such a hot start and Let's face it, no one's, like, David Pasternak is just in his own little universe this year. It's like, even at the worst, this kid still manages to put the puck in the net. But Crazy I, good, crazy yeah, good. I, and it, it's not just him. I think it's the cumulative, like, I wrote down something like, oh, good, the damn injury bug has now got us, right? That and why do we suck giant lemons in the shootout? But <laughs> um, that's been the problem, right? So this, again, you can't have it both ways. It can't be... Look at how good the Bruins do to adapting and they continue going forward. And then be like, oh, they're falling apart and this and that. It's like, mm, I don't know what you do. You know, what do you do? And we do, like, what's it? I'm like, Paul, Gary, what the hell are you doing up here? Like, you know what I mean? And then it's like, oh, okay, that's why. We're, it's not good either because we're losing people on both the Bruins teams and who will be down there. We're running out of reserves at this point. Who <laughs> no else kidding. will go yeah, that's over crazy. that wall? I, it's just frustrating. Because I... It's like on one hand, I don't want to be mad at them because they haven't... Okay, they've had several times where they were looking like they were horrendous. Detroit last oh, week. Terrible. The last 20 minutes of that Florida game and a couple other points. But overall, they haven't been playing horrendous or anything like that like right. again there's no like the sky is falling like this is they're gonna be in the last place but at the same time they need to figure it out because yep. i thought they were bouncing back but then after losing again last night in the shootout because like i said i feel like they too are like oh god we didn't win in overtime we might as well not even try not saying that you guys aren't trying if any of you're listening but sorry 
Yeah, I was I was going to touch on the trend the wrong way topic, but that's just leading into some more negativity. Ne- negativity. Let's that not I don't be negative. Wanna... We've got an. Like, so oh, let's be... It's been a bummer this week. I know it has. Uh, what what else has been a bummer is the recent trade rumors. Um, the Boston Bruins uh, have been particularly busy when it comes to rumors, whether regardless if they're true or not, and what website you choose to believe or not. But um, when it comes down to Elliot Friedman, when he speaks, it's normally pretty good that there's some chatter going on. So the Bruins, and, and no, who, who knows? The Bruins could be involved with uh, trade talks for Tyler Toffoli. Tyler Toffoli is not particularly doing very good right now, but he could use that spark in another area to uh, promote that that offensive production that he uh, used to have in, in previous years. But some other trade talks that people want to get into and seem to have interest in lately is Ilya Kovalchuk. Now, I remember over the past, what was it, a season ago or two seasons ago, um, when he was becoming available after his his rights were uh, taken away from the New Jersey Devils, and then he could become a restricted free agent. Because the year before that, Kovalchuk and the and the team had to agree on something and they couldn't agree so he stayed one more year in the KHL and then came over here ultimately signing with the the um, Los Angeles Kings but he did have conversations with Don Sweeney and so on so the Bruins did want him there's no doubt about it that they sat down and talked to him but you know that the term was not going to be there it was ridiculous in my opinion for um that was a couple of years ago when John Tavares and all of them were out there and Donnie was kind of sniffing around, just kind of seeing what people would yeah. And stuff. yeah, so he signed a six-year, a $6 million, three-year deal. And now so, the Kings aren't even letting him play. I know, I know. <laughs> the now, LA Kings They They physically play. told him to not come to games anymore. You're, you can practice with the team, <laughs> but you're not going to be in the lineup. Yeah. We can, we'll pay you, but we don't want to see you around these parts. As so often. it kind of it kind of makes I kind of get the feeling that they did the same thing to him as New Jersey did when they, when New Jersey was trying to shed cap space. They might have used the same tactic to force him to like retire and move. I think that they <clears> thought <throat> they would bring him in with Kovatar, and they would have a saving grace, and like they would be able to stop because the Kings were a player. You know what I mean? And like. They just kind of fell off the last couple of years, right? But I think they were in a rebuild from like their, you know, uh, memorable Stanley Cup runs and stuff, you know. And Jonathan Quick was more Jonathan Quick a couple yeah, seasons ago. Very than he good. Is. Right. And he has still has glimmer, you know, but he's always been a goaltender who's like brilliant or dungy. Uh, and I think they thought if you brought him in, you still had Kopitar and all, you know, you had a good core, experienced veteran thing. Problem is, is They're that, all old. It, that's not the problem. <laughs> the problem is, is that Kovalchuk has never been a good core player because he very individual is a. You saw it in Atlanta. Like I said, what do I always say? Between Savard, Evander Kane, and Ilya Kovalchuk's, uh, thank God Atlanta and some people got traded. Atlanta fell apart because that much like self worth as players in yeah. one room is oh, yeah. a lot of I don't want to say ego, like whatever. <laughs> but some of those in even that being said, some of the times those players are certain ones like a Kovalchuk are uniquely it, he, he's the kid that even though there are four other play people on the ice will not pass you know, mm-hmm. pass you the puck or whatever. 
But at the same time as that type of player was never as wildly successful as they should have been, mainly because of that attitude. And I don't, I think they're trying to shed the cap space because he did to them exactly. I think the Kings are a little different than New Jersey in that Jersey obviously had like Zajac. They had all these giant contracts. The Kings, I think it was, now they're in a, why the did we waste the money on that? Yeah, no offense. Goodbye, guy. Go, go back to the KHL. Go back to which but, is so sad because he is such he is a talented kid. But but that talent that talent recently work. has not trans transitioned yeah. or translated yeah. from where he came from. A lot of people that I listen to on podcasts and a lot of articles that I've been reading lately have said that his game over in Russia may be more suited for him because it's bigger ice. More opportunities for offensive uh, uh, opportunities. Mm. But when he comes over here, he is not the same player as he once was when he left. So it's tighter ice. It's more defensive. And you, you, you have to be more responsible. And unfortunately, that doesn't always translate good with an aging veteran that's gone from league to league because he's pissy here, happy there, not happy here, pissy there. But that's part of the problem, though, is he's also not a player that um, historically is it's a locker room person. Yeah. Right. So I don't want to say like a Dougie Hamilton I get now, like right. Cal. I don't know. I heard someone, I, it might have, I don't know if it was Kane's country or something. I don't know why no, or it might even been just like Hockey Central. Why no one gave him more time, all the teams who've had him? Exactly, though. But you got to think about it. When you've been in the league 12 years and you've had four teams, there's a reason, you know? Yeah, not this, saying you're a bad person. This year like, he could win the Norris. Right. Well, we'll see. It's, we'll still, see. it's, it's still only November. I know. <laughs> um, and if he does, whatever. I won't say shit. You earn what you earn. But I, I don't. But Kovalchuk, is, he's more suited to the Russian style, not just because Russian, but because... Right. They're... The Russian style of play is that very... Remember when Ovi first came in and everyone was like, even though we've seen Russian players before, like, look at this guy. He's like fancy and he shows up and he whatever. Well, Russia is a place where your whole being is being the dangle, the, you know what I mean? This, and they're much... Someone, I don't know if it was Czechos or something, someone described it as like an all-star team in a beer league or something yeah. like that. Oh, so yeah. that's why, like, Kovalchuk, his kind of attitude and his style fits a lot better in because that's kind of how the Russians play, right? They're fancy, fast skaters, fast shooters, good puck, you know, like that flashy. But North American-style hockey is much more team-oriented. Yep. I'm not saying, like, you're, you know, they're not trying to win for the team, but, like, there aren't allowed to be individuals on... Right. Canadian and American you hockey teams. As a like, team, a group. if you get too fancy above yourself, that's actually sometimes a detriment, and you get kind of smacked down. Like, no, we are a team. You don't want to pass that puck. I'll sit your ass on the bench until you do want to pass that puck because you're not getting the puck in the net. So why be so selfish about it? You know, and uh, I just don't think Kovalchuk. He's there are a lot of great players that are NHL players but maybe should never have been because well, it was never really their place to be. The argument is that he'd be a good p- player to be on the right side with David no, Krejci. I just don't think overall. Disagree. Despite, even despite if he was making a million dollars, I still wouldn't take a chance No, it's on not him. even about the money for me. It's about I don't want to bring that kind of attitude into a locker room full of men that are whole thing is to bleed back, back to back for each other like whatever. Right. I, I don't I don't think he would fit in here just personality wise. 
Gotcha. I mean, Chara could scare him in a corner, right. but I'm good. I don't want thing. Yeah, I'm good. I, I, you asked me that two years ago. I still hold. I don't want him anywhere near my yeah, team. I'm not. I'm not a fan. So I take Dougie Hamilton back before I take Elia Kovalchuk. Right. Did that? This come out enough? Yeah, there's, there's got to be a reason why he was told not to go into games anymore, yeah, and I don't want to exactly. see that. I mean, right now in this past week and a half for the Boston Bruins, they've had their struggles. I wouldn't want to see a guy that's going to bring his selfish attitude into a locker room like this and poison it uh, moving forward. So I'd rather than pull everyone out of Atlanta to Providence and everyone from Providence up to Boston. Exactly. All right, I just I'll, don't I'm with you on that one. I'm just not worth. I just don't think it's worth it. No, not, I, not his age. Go for go for younger players. Stop going for the older guy then and and. and on expectations that he's going to have a year like he did 12, 12 years, years ago, ago yeah. when he got 50 and goals. Some old guys can do that. But yeah. like we talked about like with David Backus. David Backus, as he's gotten older, has adjusted his role and understood his role has changed. Agreed. He's not living in the, I still think it's 2004 David Backus land. He's very well aware that he is not the same. Oh, I know it's not 2000. I just think, I don't know what you, you know what I mean? But Kovalchuk's of the world, and there are other ones that every now and then surface. Everyone, but again, there's a reason they're paying you a lot of money to not even show up to the arena, not even sit on the ninth floor, as we yeah, say, you know, sad. here, whatever the equivalent is in LA. That is a red flag if I've ever heard one. But at the same time, why don't you go play for Minnesota or something? It can't get there, there worse. You go. <laughs> Um, let's take another break. Uh, we will hear from the great folks at the store next door, a great Yarmouth, Nova Scotia company that helps uh, special individuals earn some money while earning learning a skill. So we'll be right back. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. Our gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. And we're back. We just heard from the great folks at the store next door. Fantastic company in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. Check them out, thestorenextdoor.ca. Buy something cool. Holidays are coming up. Lots of hockey-related uh, furniture, desk stuff, and so on that you could purchase, and it really helps a great cause. So check them out, thestorenextdoor.ca. Um, getting back to the topic list of uh, or the uh, show agenda for episode 154 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, uh, Jimmy Murphy wrote an article for bostonhockeynow.com. Fantastic website. Highly suggest you check it out. Um, a, an article about McAvoy not dancing on the ceiling yet, but climbing the walls. Uh, Charlie McAvoy has did not have a great start to his 2019-20 um, campaign. 
after uh, not signing with the team late into uh, training camp. Was able to get a deal done right before the season started. And uh, in, in our opinion and in previous podcasts that we've, we've said that you know, maybe leading up to a week ago was probably his official training camp. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, I know he was in there training. He was doing his thing as a as a human to keep it going, but on ice, I might have been limited because it's not a team event. So and him and Carlo both. Him and Carlo, yeah. That. And uh, so you could definitely see Carlo stepping up in his game, and obviously McAvoy is stepping up in his game. But um, Murphy had an opportunity to. Uh, talk to or hear from uh, Bruce Cassidy um, and Cassidy said that uh, he thinks he's played well but he's not uh, not to his ceiling so there's room for improvements on the on the Charlie McAvoy um, mountain so um, and I like that Murphy puts in the Lionel Richie classic dancing on the ceiling but uh, that's pretty cool but um, Cassidy said, I think he's got a tough assignment every night playing against the best players. Uh, acknowledged as a young guy, I think his natural best ability right now at his age is the puck moving and ability to join the rush and make some plays. He doesn't finish, but he's had some good, some good looks. So I think that will balance it out. I really do. The more he shoots. Um, so using that paragraph right there in that quote from um, from Bruce Cassidy it tells me that McAvoy is now really feeling it he's being more mobile uh, and being an all-around player that, that this team actually needs in times of uh, sluggish play in the week in the last week and a half and I believe that he's absolutely spot-on um, maybe this call out a little shout out to, to the Charlie McAvoy camp inside his head um, read that loud and clear because his game has tremendously stepped up when uh, when definitely needed. I have two thoughts on that. One, I think that's really compared to what he had been doing before that. And two, that kid still needs to put more pucks on net. Yeah. Like that's why Agreed. you were picked. And I, I think he's still struggling in that. He had a great game yesterday, great game. I think he looked better. Like Toronto was better. Uh but I certainly don't think that he is hitting anywhere near where we need him to be. But Small sample size. Say it that way. I hate to say I that. I think he's growing. <laughs> you know how I, feel. I just want him to grow. He's a defenseman. I don't expect him to be full-rounded for another year or two anyways, right? Yeah. And he's making progress. But this idea, like... He will get better for duration Defensively, he has been kind of a liability at times and stuff like that. Yeah. And I want... It, which is unlike him on characteristic, even if offensively he's, he's usually pretty solid on the back end. So I think he's been doing well, and he certainly has been seeing, um, you know, he was excellent, I think, last night. I agree with that, that he was terrific. That was probably the best game he's played all season. That being said, I agree with you. He's, you know, we're at a point where maybe we can start actually assessing what McAvoy and Carlo are both doing as... They did miss, and they are young players. You yeah. know, they're not like veterans that miss, and that would affect anybody. It doesn't matter your age, but especially kids like them who only, you know, they're still not rookies, but they're not right. exactly seasoned veterans yet either. But uh, he's trending in the right direction. I hate that saying. We everybody always says that. Now I'm now I'm picking up on everyone. Are and you a cliche? I I don't want to be a cliche. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to not be. But uh, you know, I I. 
think he's showing a lot of signs. And I think, but the problem with me is that it shouldn't have to take McAvoy to be McAvoy to wait until everyone's going down, you know, whatever, and step up. I need you to see that. I need you to do that. I need you to be the mini back-end Chara all the time. Game by game. Yep. Also, by the way, can I just give a shout? Like, Zidane Chara has looked like he's got a new life in him this season. I know everyone's a little nervous, re-signing him, whatever. Everything has looked better. His skating, he's pro- he got more goals, I think. Or What did he have? Maybe six last year. I don't know, but he's already got four, I think. Even if you, I mean, empty netters count in regulation, just saying. Um, I'll and, take one. <laughs> and uh, I do have to say that, though. The captain, I think, is... He leads by, as he always has, he leads by example. He's not trying to do whatever. Okay, so yeah. But I think McAvoy, yes, he's getting there. I I do think, though, that this is a crucial year for Charlie McAvoy. Not because of the short contract, not. But just, you've had a couple years under your belt now. Chara isn't going to be here to babysit you forever. You know what I mean? No one's asking you to be like a Chara or whoever. You know, you're young. Or like, even a Drew Doughty you know, he's been so start... like compared to, but he's got to be him. He's got to be Hopefully him. old Drew Doughty and not new Drew Doughty. Right. What is going on? Like, That's Drew L.A. That's Drew, L.A. Drew Doughty is a boy that is frustrated. He's like just... He's the best chirper, though. Everybody. Oh, my he's God. He's the best chirper. <laughs> Absolutely. Me um, <clears throat> excuse me. Let's. Um, I, I like Drew Daddy. Don't think I don't. Sorry, Drew. Where do you want to go with this? Do you want to go here, or do you want to do some of my, um, some of your stuff? I don't know. Let's just do a couple random things, because then we're gonna have to get all serious again for a yeah. minute. But like I said, I'll pull us out of that at the end. There you go. Awesome. But um, all right. So this was just something, because as you all know, because you listen to us, we get off on tangents and babble, and then we sometimes accidentally skip things down the line. So not for a long talk. Everybody's talked about it, but. The uh, offsides review debate continues again, not just with the Bruins League and things wide. like that. League wide, uh, everyone, if everyone that's an expert in the sport, besides the people who make the rules, seem to agree, like the Coil goal the other day uh, that got, you know. Against Montreal. Uh, someone said, I don't know, I, I don't listen too much to watch hockey. I really need to start writing down what people are saying, but if I don't direct quote them, I don't care. Um, but said something along, like, Everybody knows if it's in your skates, it like, and you have possession. And the people are like he looked down. Yeah, he was looking down at the puck. He had yeah. every like. If that was Sidney Crosby, nobody would ever call it back. If that was Connor McDavid, nobody would ever right. call it back. And I just think that's stupid because I don't think anybody should have a quarter inch, sort of half a like. I liked kind of like I think like I was saying. Beersy said, if the puck is any way over that line, either way. It's cleared or it's in the zone. Like, it's just stop. They're professionals, right, okay? Right. Like, if you allow them to get out but not call, you know what I mean? And if Let you them allow clear them as to... they enter, why? Just... How about this one? If you they allow them to skate backwards mm. into the zone. Yeah. Okay, you're yeah. skating backwards in the zone. Guess what's going first? first yeah. Your feet. My thing is that, <laughs> and, and people are like, oh, whatever. It's like, you know what, though? This goes back to, I, I'm sick of hearing about, like, the NFL might have a lot of reviews, but the NFL does it right in the fact that they have clear time limits on how long they're going to bother to look at it. They look at every angle, and they have very, very clear, defined rules of what things are. So it makes it yeah. very easy for their officials, no matter how much experience that they have, if they've called the flag to look and they have the right tools in place. They have all the camera angles. They have someone in New York talking to them to, just to make sure they have what they need to make the decision. And if they don't find anything that's determinate thing, 
they turn it over. The problem with the NHL is a couple things. Time. Every damn rule is so ambiguous. I know. <laughs> it's up. No, it's hard for officials to implement rules they get told a month before the season starts with, hey, here's a YouTube video clip, work it out. Yeah. And people, they're confused. It's like how the strike zone when it first switched was. How are you supposed to tell? Because the strike zone ace switches with each batter, right? Whatever the circumstance. The rules are not set there to stranglehold the damn game, okay? Stop it. Offsides didn't even exist like 30 years ago. Like, seriously, <laughs> let it... It's one thing if it's egregious, okay? If there's a skate over a line or a player, like, hanging out down that zone, absolutely. Offsides, whatever. If someone has possession, and in hockey that has always meant within your body frame possession, not like, oh, on my stick and it's right. flat and a perfect right. hockey play... Let it go. Also, and again, this isn't just, it's been particularly a Bruins issue this year, but it is a league-wide issue. I don't care how long. Like, it feels like a lot of these offsides aren't offsides until one of the coaches go, hey, that was offsides. If 30 seconds, I don't think anymore. If you have gone 60 seconds and no one has brought up, no player has been like, hey, it was off, whatever, that would make you stop and review it. Whether you've had possession or not, that's a goal. It should stand. Yeah. 60 seconds is plenty of time to get a puck, especially if it's not on like a power play or something like right. that. Five on five hockey, if you don't clear it within 30 seconds, you're having a shitty defensive end, and a goal should count, whether it's against my team or for my team. But this stopping a high, fast-moving game over, like, what was it, last, a couple weeks ago, it was like a tip of a blade. A tip of a blade, yeah. that's the difference. That's why their goaltender couldn't stop the puck. Give it a break. Okay, so. The uh, the league is meeting um, in Toronto uh, with, I believe it's the um, owners, uh, board of governors, one of the three board of governors throughout the year, and they're going to start talking about stuff like this leading up to what's going to happen for next season. Right. So, they need to start with clearly defined rules. Yeah. What? Because even what's like goaltender interference, yeah. Like you yeah. have this ambiguous, it could be... Just set defined. Because yep. we talked about this, right? With Krejci with the goaltender interference, that call one time. You have create you're in goaltender interference isn't the same as it used to be. People aren't in people's creases anymore like they used to be back yeah. in the day. That's what it was originally designed for, to keep people out of the crease and leave the goaltenders reasonable amount of space that they could still move, right? Yep. So what happened, say, with the Krejci, one of David Krejci's like two weeks ago or whatever? Their player created a situation where Krejci was lodged between himself and the goaltender and he had nowhere else to go. Right. Yet still was not on top of that. You know what I mean? Goaltender. Right. That to me is not goaltender interference. If another player pushes you into their own goaltender, that is not goaltender yeah, interference. That was ridiculous. The, Absolutely ridiculous. It's not 1970. Everybody is flying on this ice now. And when... I mean, what are you supposed to do? Like, where am I supposed to go? Here's the light. Like, oh, where am I... Obviously. If he was actually impeding the goaltender, you know what I mean, or whatever, like you said, I mean, if you're like kicking the goalie's leg out, that's goaltender interference. Yep. But stop with it. It's If it's not egregious, it's not, you're a grown-up getting paid millions of dollars. You're a goaltender that probably has had a million things happen to you. If you can't handle medium-sized David Krejci being too close to you because your defenseman pinched him there. My, like, my, my whole thing about this help. whole, uh, in, in the video review, is the time it takes. Um, 
you should be able to look at something and say, okay, that's offsides, and then get back to the play. Mm. What they, what they, this video review does now is it makes it more apt for these officials to get deeper into everything yeah. and create it longer, like you mentioned earlier. The idea is to review what it would have looked like in real time. Yes. Yeah. Real time. Not slow it down to the... Also so three story. minutes. I mean, even even if no, we not even three minutes. Even it should if take we, more than sixty seconds to look at all those angles. If we broke it down and bitched about it afterwards, said blah blah blah, they have to get it right on the as you said. Yeah. As the play goes, with what what would you call B on or off sides? Well, then that's fine. Make that decision in a timely fashion. Don't don't break it down like CSI and friggin' try and to figure the it out. That's They're looking at things so closely that they're creating things that may or may not even be there. Exactly. And that's a problem to me. I think that there should be a way to protect yourself against blown calls, missed calls, whatever. Sure. But nobody thinks this is a good idea. Nobody. Not the players, not the coaches. And it's not even about benefiting from getting that, you know, being right. called on the offsides. Just like in football, if you clearly define the expectations, the officials can... Within a reasonable time, I don't think it should take that. If you're breaking down a five-second interval, it should take no more than 20 seconds to get all those intervals clipped out, especially if you're the dude sitting on the bench that's going to challenge it. All reasonable angles that, as a real time as a goaltender, you would have, may have, or could have had as a thing. Yep. We don't... Obviously, you can find many things in life if you slow it yeah, down. If you nitpick everything, absolutely. And lastly, as a sports fan... This is why I hate analytics and things like that and review can be added into that. Sports are sports for a reason. This is this is boring to me. This is mathematically played sports. This is how all the kids that couldn't get picked in gym class became in the sports world. It's by sitting around nitpicking thing. It's boring as all shit, okay? And I'm someone who loves baseball that has always had too much analytics in it. Do you know what I mean? Like Analytics is good to break down your game, to become stronger, tape, review, all that. Analytics is boring when, or reviews are boring and useless when you create a situation in which you're creating problems and you're literally killing the momentum of a game. Because neither side gives a crap that much, honestly. Yeah. I mean, we've all been in the stands and seen an egregious call blown. Like, we'd all be going, there Offsides. Yeah. But if the only person who knows about the offsides is the one guy with the iPad on the bench, how egregious of an offsides could it possibly have been? All right, let's move on Good from that. Good point. Uh, Seattle's getting a name for yes. the All-Star game. That's exciting to me. Cause the millionaires. As, as you all know that I can't deal with them not having a name. I don't want to call them the Seattles. I don't want to call I know. Clearly had too much coffee. What will Diet it Coke. be? What will it be? You think the millionaires? I want. I, I want to go back to the high. tradition. Millionaires. I don't. I don't think it's going to be the Soundgardens. I, I don't want to. I don't want to hear the Kraken because I'm so sick of no, hearing the Kraken, that. That's. I think they just trademarked a bunch, but they probably have narrowed it down. But I don't. I don't know what will they be because I didn't think the Vegas were going to pick the Golden Knights, which I still don't think is a good choice. But Whatever. it's not my hockey team. I don't, I don't to know. live with it. But I want Seattle to have an awesome name. Seattle four twenty. The Seattle four twenty. <laughs> Seattle Nirvanas. No, I'm just kidding. What is it? 1994. Just kidding. Um, okay. What else do we have? Those were from leftover from last week. Oh, uh, 
Saturday, uh, our Friday game versus Toronto was also the Hockey Hall of Fame game. We yes, forgot to was. mention that, so congratulations oh, to the Hockey Hall of Fame. And shit on uh, Steve Simmons for his uh, douchebaggery tweet about Jerry York. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jerry York, if you don't know, he is the head coach of the Boston College Eagles and is an inductee into the Builders um, area of the Hockey Hall of Fame. As he uh, should be. Was not there on... Friday night in Toronto because he had um, uh, press more pressing issues uh, and that was to coach his, his team, team yeah. in Vermont and uh, which they won I'm not sure about the score but Steve Simmons threw out a tweet if you have you seen it mm-hmm. okay he threw out the tweet saying that uh, his displeasure for him not being there and rather coach his kids in a moment like this and what a backlash uh, the hockey community came down on this guy really hard. Steve Simmons, in the past, has sent out tweets that I call attention. I need attention, um, you know, yeah. tweets. And he's definitely one of them. Not one of my favorite journalists at all. Yeah. Um, well, but, a lot of people do that nowadays. He's yes. Stupid, but he's... But still, I mean, have some class. He's there doing the thing that he loves for the people that he loves probably the most. The thing that got him inducted into the Hall of Fame, you Precisely. mean? Precisely. Sorry, guy, when... Shout know. out to uh, to um, Ray, to... Ray Ferraro for his tweet saying that exactly what you said. Like, guy, this is what got him in the Hockey Hall of Fame in the first place. So, and, and to add on to that little bit is this was just a Hockey Hall of Fame game. Mm-hmm. Jerry York is not going to miss the inductions into the... Hockey Hall of Fame. So Steve Simmons, I mean, stop shooting from the hip when you send out tweets like that, man. It's like a five-day event. You're so classless. Yeah. I swear to God. Also, even though he coaches BC, Jerry York's awesome. Like, yeah, he mean, does what he does, and right historically, on, like, he's where he should be. Yeah, him, not about Jack him. Parker. Yeah. I mean, all these guys. Yeah, just that's that was kind of annoying. Yeah, but he did the right thing to be with his kids, which is what his whole entire why he. Does what he does exactly. and is so good at what he Just does. Just so classless this guy. I can't believe he's got a blue check mark and he actually works for somebody, in you know in media. Um, did you have? Uh, we have that and I have Timu, but after Team that, Timu, let's talk about Team. Should Timu. we do Timu first? Oh, I, like I didn't Timu know, but you had mentioned um, mailbags. Do we want to do like? I was that? gonna do those towards the end. Okay, cool. So we'll do the review of that. Okay, so oh, actually, you know, what would be a good idea. What? Just to talk about a class act individual named Bobby Orr. Uh, folks, if you don't know, we're working with Bobby Orr and his Hall of Fame Association. Uh, fantastic people. Um, but located in Bobby Orr's hometown of Parry Sound, Ontario, the Bobby Orr Hall of Fame displays Bobby Orr's personal memorabilia and takes visitors through his storied career. Items on display include his Stanley Cup rings, the stick the, the stick that used the stick he used to score the goal, and his locker room from the old Boston Garden. Orr fans will love. The gift shop and the Orr Hockey Hall of Fame is offering our black and gold podcast listeners 10% off online orders at bobbyorrhalloffame.com slash store by using code BNG. That's B-N-G at checkout. <laughs> at checkout. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Place your order by December 3rd to guarantee delivery for the holidays. Again, that's Bobby Orr. Hall of Fame.com slash door promo code BNG at checkout for 10% off on online orders. Promo code does not apply to signed merchandise. Follow them on Facebook and take advantage of their 12 days of Christmas sale from 
November 22nd to December 3rd. Each day a featured item will be uh, discounted with store-wide savings on Black Friday. Follow them on Facebook and take advantage of these exclusive deals, folks. This is your great chance to get some Bobby Orr memorabilia into your fan cave. So get on it. Use code BNG. Holla, Bobby or Hall of Fame.com slash store. How woke of you, fan cave? Yeah. Well, listen, I didn't want, I don't do that anymore. I don't want to offend anyone. No, exactly. Um, I, in, in, in a world that is, well, <laughs> what a segue. Yeah. <laughs> well, in a world that is easily offended, um, this is a topic that, I mean, are you, uh, do you want me to do this one first? I don't know. That's the, that's the part where we all think, I don't care. What were you going? Oh, yeah, we just got that. I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah I'm, you, I'm going ahead of myself. fan cave, so I was like, oh. All right. What do you got? All right. So one of my happy spots this week in the last 10 days is that um, uh, the Fiendish Flash, Timo Solani, has resurfaced, and he's been all over different podcasts. I've heard him at least on three or four of Spit them. Spitting Chiglet, shout so, out. Yeah, tw- 30, he was on 31 Thoughts, one of my favorite shout shows. Shout out, Elliot Freeman, Jeff Merrick. And uh, anyways, Timo Solani, if you don't know who he is, I don't know why you're uh, listening to a hockey podcast, but Timu is, among other things, one of the 100 greatest players ever in the NHL, uh, Hockey Hall of Famer, the Finnish Flash, Stanley Cup champion, uh, the original Rocket Rashad recipient, he's won the Calder with 76 goals, yeah, 76, suck on that, Ovi, in his rookie season, <laughs> uh, 10 All-Star games, he's won a bronze and a silver in the Olympics, he was a six-time Olympian, uh, he won the Bill Masterson. Is he coming on this program? I hope almost, he is, because it I sounds like you're introducing him. him. <laughs> he's had... 30, uh, 50-goal plus seasons, multiple 40-goal seasons, and four seasons over 100 points. He is awesome. He has a new book out called My Life, uh, also important in my household because when our older son was being born, we had the great name debate. Should our kid be named Martin Brodeur or should he be named T. Mussolini? He has a news flash. People, our kid is not named either, but <laughs> that was a great debate in our household. This guy played... 1451 games, right? And I know that's a weird way to read that. And had a total of 1,457 points. So a career 21 season thing. But anyways, he co-wrote this book with uh, Ari Meander. Took a long time. Menander, I'm not quite sure. Uh, But he retired in 2014 and was in the Hall of Fame by 2017. So if that doesn't cement. He's funny as all fuck. Yeah, he is. So, oh yeah, he's wicked. Just funny. check it out for those of you who aren't, you know, if you just are generally hockey fans and you know maybe you're younger and you don't know Timu. Uh, for me, is always he was. Everybody's fast and quick, and that's the way we play the game now. But Timu was fast and quick before he kind of set the standard for fast and quick. Yep. You know what I mean? And him and Paul Korea did some crazy, crazy things together uh, when they played together on a couple teams. So. If you don't know who Paul Correa is, then again, please stop talking right. to me right now. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm talking to you. All right, so that's a happy spot. All right, are we are we going to get into it? Yeah, we're going to we get gotta into it. we got to do it. Um, we're not going to last for a long time looking at the time. We're going to... Yeah, we're just going to gonna touch on it quick because it made news and there is a Bruins relation to this matter. Um, but uh, Don Cherry, we're going to talk about what Don Cherry did, said and the reactions afterward of um of what he did so uh don cherry has been uh relieved of his duties at 
uh, Hockey Night in Canada, where a place where he has been for over 33 years. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, said some pretty rude comments that were very unnecessary in my opinion, but... I have the quote of yeah, people have been living under a rock. I'm not saying... Uh, listen, if he has if he has certain issues with certain people, that's fine. I I get it. He's old. He's he. You know, it's a new world. Things are changing. You got to adapt. Um, everybody's sensitive these days, and certain people take offense to certain things. So when you say something, you have to be accountable for it. I don't think that using what he said on a national platform one that is so highly regarded in as reading. hockey not as hockey night in canada um I, I i just don't think that that was a time and a place to do it and it should have been shut down shortly after and never mind getting it on three other games in three different time zones uh big fail from don cherry moving down to the production team um now that's now if he said like i said i was talking to heather if he said that like in a group whatever it is what it is you pretty much offended a short amount of people which it sucks it's not it's not warranted anywhere i'm not saying that this is this is good but you did it on a national platform under the under the umbrella of a pretty major company and Unfortunately, those are the things. So whether you call it freedom of speech or whether you call it something else, it was unnecessary to do it at that platform, and that's why he got fired. And I respect the people that looked at him and took that choice into their hands and said, it's got to stop here because this is not the first time that he's done this. He's done this on several occasions. So, But the backlash this time was uh, enough for people to stop pulling sponsorships and so on. So... It became a money thing, and they needed to handle it. So, goodbye, John Terry. You know, whatever. Thanks for the rock'em sock'em videos. Appreciate that. But I'm an, I'm an American. I don't have full vested interest in him. You know, I mean, he does have Bruins relations as he was a coach here, but I, I think what he did was wrong, and he's gonna deal with it. So. All right, so I was saying to you, I've had a hard, long, like, just... I've listened to everybody talking about this, including I've listened to Don Cherry talking about it on several podcasts and news clips and stuff. Uh, and I am not someone who... I don't know. First of all, it's bothering me as a former history teacher that a lot of people don't even know what the poppy rant kind of is initiated in, okay? So, for those of you who have no idea, <laughs> the poppies are the symbol... It started... Veterans, what we call veterans today, today, or they call it Remembrance Day in Canada, and the United States, we split them into two holidays about 50 years ago, so we have Veterans Day and Memorial Day. Poppy represents, really, it's about Armistice Day from World War One, where a generation of men were lost. Battle Canada was part of the British Empire at the time, uh, and whatnot. A lot of allies and the their enemies lost lives. I'm someone, uh, so the, I think it's important for people to know when the poppy is representative of the Western Front, Flanders, in Belgium, and in France. I've had a hard time because, like, I've been to these places that a hundred years ago, like, I've walked in at the Marne for the U.S., and I've walked through Beaumont Hamill for the Canadians, and I, you know. So as a historian, I've had a hard time for people not knowing the context. In the United States, 
we don't uh, buy poppies. We tend to, uh, the veterans of foreign wars tend to be out like collecting, you know, and you get kind of a thank you poppy thing from them, which, as I said to Mark, it's kind of bothered me all week because um, before I get to Don Cherry's words, I think it's important, like in my head is that symbols to me are just symbols. And I don't think that they, not putting on a poppy doesn't mean, because part of, Part of the thing that did get cut out of the quote was when he said a few bucks for a poppy or something like that, which I know seems silly, but if the point was he's like, people aren't supporting, you don't, you don't know who, first of all, Canada's got a lot of people in it. You're not telling me everybody's wearing a poppy, okay? Just like in the United States, not everyone's wearing a USA the American flag lapel on 4th of July. Right. So as for the word, like, it's like you have to separate and I think it might've even been on like hockey centers that, you know, separating the words from the person, right? I don't know Don Cherry. He's not my cup of tea, okay? I think he's long aged himself out of this game because I think he is not that important to people much younger than our generation in the hockey world. Uh, again, like you said, as an American, like Don Cherry. But he didn't say that on American TV. He said that on Canadian TV in a place where he is considered one of the most famous Canadians ever, not like of all time. Right. Now that being said, I'm sure everybody knows what he said, you know. I've had a problem with this. First of all, Don Cherry's not my cup of tea because this is not the first crazy shit that he said. He has many times, besides saying funny crazy things and despite Rock'em Sock'em Robots, has said, just to name a few, crap about French Canadians. You know he hates European players. He makes sure that you know. He doesn't even like American players. This and that. Now, on the flip side, I do not know Mr. Cherry. I can only go by what I see and I heard. And what I heard on Saturday when I watched the clip, not just read the quotes, was I saw an angry old white guy basically saying, you don't belong here. Now, I've heard him say that's not how he meant it. And that's fine. Because I'm not someone who thinks you should have to apologize. But you do have to clarify. Because if that's not how you meant it, now he's saying Sportsnet didn't give him an opportunity. There seems to be conflicting things. He did send out a tweet that was like, I, reg I should have said something like everybody. Great. But he's also been doubling down all week on what he said. So that bothers me because that's conflicting. That's not, I'm not saying he's a racist and a bigot, but I do know what he said sounded racist and bigoted enough that there's probably a whole generation of Canadians, new, old, indifferent. That took it that way? That were sitting around like good Canadian kids with that with their parents and heard that and Families had to have whole conversations about, well, what does he mean, Dad? Like, I, I pledge to Canada. I love our national, you know, like, I don't think symbols, you know, and I think I acquainted it's kind of like the big debate with the kneeling at the football games kind of thing. Mm -hmm. right? Now, that being said, everyone who does actually know Don Cherry has come out wildly in his defense of he is not like that. And he has done a lot for hockey in 40 years. So with that, I accept that. But what is unacceptable is, A, that Sportsnet allowed it to be shown it's one thing you didn't stop it when it was coming from Toronto, but for you to not have stopped it by the time it got to Vancouver, so millions of more Canadians also heard that without having to go on YouTube and looking it up, yeah. that's disgraceful in itself. Um, but I also, for me, I think it's like, I don't believe Sportsnet was trying to get rid of them. Like all grumpy old men that are in the company, you got to kind of wait till they decide to leave. 
Yeah, they, I they, do they think, have an expiration date, and this was this is. I one. do think for too long that Don Cherry got allowed to just do whatever he wanted, no one ever checked him. Well, here's a tip, because that's another thing all week. The theme, like, well, he is an 85 year old man. He's an 85 year old man who's been saying crazy shit on TV since he was a 45 year old man, and he's a very intelligent, lucid 85 year old man. Yeah. So you can't selectively he got with his words. Even at that time, if he was conscientious enough, he could have said. I mean everybody like do you know what I mean like it bother and I guess in the end it's just like I think he should have been fired it's bad for business also I think Don Cherry again is not as important to the sport as he once was he may be very important still in Canada but for the overall NHL his ship has sailed a long time ago um, where just like the league the United States Canada we are what makes us strong is being vast multicultural awesome free societies and there's no place for that. I'm not saying he's a bigot. I just know what he said was bigoted and he shouldn't have ever said it on TV. And I, I'm sure he would take it back. But I'm not positive if it's because he realizes why it was so wrong for someone with his much power. Yeah. And that's the bigger yeah. thing for me. No, it was again. It's Don the platform Cherry it was used on that, that really bothers me. The influence that you hold is a lot different than I, if I said that, would still be bigoted and wrong. But... I'm not worshipped like a national right. treasure either, am I? You know, and that's my bigger thing is that I don't know if Don Cherry really understands why it's wrong. And that's what concerns me. Yeah. Because all I'm hearing is how awesome and great he is. Great Bob York came to us. There's everyone's popping up. Gretzky, all the, anyone who's coached thing. So I have to think he's a solid guy, right? Why yeah. would so many people? That's because in our societies now, that's when you start throwing everyone under the bus. Oh, yeah, I always knew. But that doesn't mean that what he said did not sound very hateful and did not say, hey, you know what, in our society. And I even heard him talking about, like, uh, on Hockey Sense, very articulately, like his families were immigrants from Ireland and Scotland. Great. So think about that your family and friends had to deal, your family originally had to deal with that shit when they showed up here. You know what I mean? Yep. And think of how it's your obligation because those veterans that you're so mad they're not honoring and I and I get your sentiment behind that like it's I do I absolutely do he's a dude that invests in, in everybody oh, should. and it shouldn't huge. just be on veterans day we should say thank you and we should honor them by donating or spending time at a VA hospital in the states or whatever right. you can do to help but those people also fought for those new Canadians and Americans and though you know what I mean and that should be honored too yep. and they didn't lose their lives so that some crazy old white guy on a hockey TV program could make uh, also just like I mean just as much as their PM I guess I you're even bigger like if the international hockey crowds watching Don Cherry holds a lot more weight yeah. than even like say the PM yeah. And that's the thing is people make so, mistakes. I don't think he's some... a bad person. I just no, think he made just, a bad decision, just... and I'm not gonna coddle him about it because he is a grown man who knows that what he did was wrong. Just won't admit it. All right. Per se. All right. That's it. We're moving on. You want to do mailbag, or do you want me to read this review first? Let's do the review first. Okay. Let me find it. I don't know. Why I closed my papers. Okay. So that's it. No one's talking about Don Cherry anymore. Okay. So there was one review. Amazing Bruins podcast. Thank you said uh great for boston our sports and it said this is one of the top podcasts that came up when i was looking for my need to fill information on the bruins this is a top-notch premier podcast that any bruins or nhl fan i like i just he put in caps i didn't want to think you were being obnoxious or she did i'm not sure <laughs> uh 
could listen to and enjoy it greatly. It's a great listen, so do yourself a favor and like and subscribe today. Mark and Heather are doing an amazing job, so much so that I also subscribe to the Patreon setup for the page. Thank you. Nice. Tell your friends and share it on all your social media. Well, thank you very much for that. And People don't usually say nice things about me. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. You're awesome. <laughs> and you might as well just segue into that because um, that, that, um, that review was from a Patreon subscriber. Yeah. Uh, which was unbelievable, unbelievable, awesome on your part. Thank you so much for what you do. Really helping us uh, grow and keep the show. But I um, do want to mention that we do have another winner. And we've been doing this every week this season. So excited to do this every week. We have a great partnership with the Fanatics. We have a great partnership with our Patreon folks. So if you want to get involved, please go to patreon.com slash Podcast. Donate a dollar per show. We do two shows. We do this Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. And we, I also do a Black and Gold Prospect Podcast with my co-host Tim Richardson. So if you want to listen to those and support both of them, Please just donate a dollar for show. It's, it's a good cause for us. Really helps us out. But this week's winner is my boy, Hollis Jackson. Yay! Hollis is a great guy. I love him. Um, and shout out to his wife, uh, going through some tough times with the family. Um, so um, thoughts continue with them. Um, we, we've got your back at Black and Gold completely, and we have uh, throughout the whole ordeal. Continue the fight, um, and we love you. So. Uh, congratulations to Hollis. And again, if you want to get involved, please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast. Um, some mailbag questions that I kind of threw out because I didn't think we were going to get this much into the show. But once um, we get talking, man, I know once we get going, we love it. But I did uh, want to see if we can scrounge some um, some topics together from a, a mailbag, and we did for episode 154. Defons, I love the Twitter handle, Defons. That's funny, yo. Um, hey. At Defons5 on Twitter. Upcoming expansion draft. Who will be left to hang? Love the defense, but you can't protect all five. Providing Chara is done this year. Oh, when it comes to defense and, and expansion, I can't see that Kevin Miller is going to be a factor because I don't think he'll be with the team anyway after this season. But you could expose a, a player like John Moore and get him off your cap. Uh, create a little space for an upcoming um, uh, defenseman that's kind of bottlenecked down in Providence right now. And, and, and also with the, the loss of Chara, departing Chara, uh, hopefully. I'm not saying, like I said, I'm not hating on Chara. I just want to see that spot open up for somebody younger. Um, you know, that, that could that could definitely happen. So you could see a really young uh, defensive core coming up. So any insight on that? The hard thing is is that so many people are up for their contracts and there's weird rules about the draft. So at this point, it is kind of hard to say who might be exposed because we're not quite sure who will still be on the team to be exposed. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Because there are all the weird rules about UFAs and qualifying offers. Yep. And well, so many than, angles yeah, that we, so we got Maybe we dissect. can review that. Maybe we can like hold this yep. question and revisit it, Um, pull back up kind of the rules of the game. But... um. I got to be honest, I think that they're going to, I mean, Miller will be gone. More may or may not. We've talked about this. If they're healthy, they could not even be here. I think they'll mostly, assumingly they re-sign Tory Krug, that will be a non, because there's, if you have a no-move contract, clause right. in your contract, you can't be. And the problem with the Bruins right now is they have so many no-move con 
clauses because that probably protected them from the Vegas draft, you know. Sure. So, um, assumingly, Carlo, Krug, and if Krug is here, obviously I know there's a good possibility. He might not be. And McAvoy, they'll be obviously protected. protected. Yeah. Uh, but that kind of just leaves anybody else up. Like, I mean, what are we going to do? We're going to have Steve Camper. We could expose him. I'm just saying. That's, well, if we don't see what Yarovakaninen does, he could very well get exposed. I know he's well, supposed depends. to be one I of the next have Camp friendly six. Up. It depends on if Steve Camper is going to be uh, one year or three year. But anyway. Yeah, so I, I guess I'm not trying to avoid your question. I just think it's hard because we do have a lot of contracts to be signed yeah. before we can figure out who's even going to be here. But if we look at, as for who are up there... Um, is that catfriendly.com? This is, yeah, one. But this is for, so the draft's that. next year, right? Yes. So Chara, obviously, if they sign him, they could always sign him to a new one year at the end of this year and expose him into the draft. But uh, Greslick will be a restricted free agent, which is concerning just because we have other people we have to sign to, but you don't want to not sign Grizzlick. Uh Not Yara. We're not worried about him. But does that count? So, like, let's look at, actually, let's look at Providence. That's what I more want to do. So, like, for me, not for nothing, but I think they'll create a situation where, like, Jacob Zborrell, I know you love him, but he'll he's not panning out. A lot of these guys are. If I look down, like, in Providence, say they move up, you know, yeah. say even if we move well, I'm just saying, say we fill the other three spots. Um, obviously, Petrovich is just here. They'll probably keep Lausen. And I'm thinking Axel Anderson, yeah, but he's... good, like Wiley Sherman, good, like whatever. But again, there's not enough spots for you, and right. you guys have good potential. That's perfect. There's nothing wrong because with playing the, in Providence. What's in the, the worst that happens if you expose players? They don't all get picked up in the draft. You can always go re-sign right. people if right. you need to, as necessary. Right. Um, but I'm still better from the Vegas draft because we protected the wrong Miller. And yes. I agree. I know it's not mean like the other, you know, Colin turned out to be a superstar, but still. So I guess um, I'm going with they're going to try to expose some of those young people a little more. Because if anything, if they have to, we'll have some space uh, left over. We can always go re-sign someone kind of in the middle range if we have to. Uh, moving on to the next mailbag question is from Royal Noodle at PastaGirl88. She's actually a writer at theblackandgoldhockey.com. Thank you for your contributions, Lizzie. Appreciate it. Um, shootouts. Love them or hate them. I think we've established I hate them, hate them, hate them, F them, Yes, F them, we, we have talked about this. Sorry, Liz. But um, it, it for me, it's it's a 60-minute effort for 60 minutes. It's a team effort for 60 minutes. It's a team effort for an extra five minutes. But then the last session of the game, which is the, they make a break on the win and loss, eventually is an individual um, shootout, yeah. which is ridiculous. Which all teams suck at, by the way. It's not like it's exciting. So get rid of it. Yeah, I'm, stop it. I hate it. I and when I say I think I've established this because even on this podcast today I've said these shootouts a hundred yeah. times. Excuse my language. After shootouts, I'm someone who thinks, and I don't care if it makes the season longer than learn how to win in sixty minutes. I think it should be five. I think it should be five on five for five minutes, and then four and four for five minutes, and then after that, because I don't believe in the mercy point. I believe you either win or you lose. I don't see why we have to make it so that Ottawa can be competitive. I think if you want to be competitive, you all have the same 
fucking salary cap make it happen. Yep. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. That's just me. But I hate them. And I get, and again, it goes, and I, I like a skill session just not to determine a hockey game, you yeah, know? Exactly. Save like that I just, for the and it's not just because my team sucks at it. Like, I don't like any of the shootouts. Yeah. Moving on to the final question in the mailbag for episode 154 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. It's from Joe Shinowski. Uh, Joe is on Twitter at jchrz19. Uh, Bergeron being out is a reminder he can't play forever. Can you discuss what these might look like in a few years post Bergeron and Krejci? Those are going to be some tough times because you you can't can't fill those shoes. Uh, it hurts my heart thinking about it. I know. Thanks, Joe, for ruining my Sunday. Yeah, That's thanks, two Joe. people you ruined. You ruined two people's Sundays on, uh, on this day. But no, I'm kidding, Joe. I know. Joe. It's hard. Yeah, it's very hard. Um, I see players like Studnika. I see players like Frederick. Yeah. Uh, some guys see, down in Providence. I'm not a Trent Frederick girl. Uh, Trent Frederick is that type of player that can s- seamlessly step right into the third line center. If you lose Bergeron and you lose Krejci at any time in the future, Joey Coyle, Charlie Coyle is going to be that type of player. I always do that. That's going to slide up. So insert some of your prospects in the, at the center position. You are bottlenecking there too. You think your defensemen are bottlenecking? Look at all the centers that this team has. But the good thing I'm about that at it right now, the, yeah, the good thing about that is there's a lot of these players that play center can also play a wing position. Mm-hmm. So the versatility is very good. So I I I don't know. This is a tough one too because I'm I'm more of a I'm not a projection guy. I'm more or less like I like to see how things pan out. In the final process. So I'm not one that likes to make guesses or anything like that. Um, I... Sorry, Joe. I don't know. It's hard. Because I honestly think that we are going to have to go out and get some players. Because a lot of those players on Providence, as lovely of players they are, I don't... Some of them are taking a little too long to uh, simmer for me. Do you know what I mean? So I honestly believe after Bergeron, we're going to probably pay to have someone who is like a Bergeron that's already seasoned to come in and kind of take over um, that role, at least in the in, in Krejci, like in that, that top area. I mean, even if we keep Charlie Coyle around, Bergeron might play another four years and two, and then Charlie Coyle will be in his 30s and what will be worth it. Uh, I don't know. I was actually going to ask you because some of these Providence guys, like some of them I don't like. I just don't personally like what I see and how I think that they were there. But um, you like that Jakob Laco, right? Yep, big but fan. But is he more of a wing? That's the thing is I don't watch enough of the, like, the young guys we do have. I do think we'll make some moves for some top center area because I'm not sure. A lot of these kids seem to be playing more wing than center. Now, that doesn't mean they can't become... But if we can't even think of, like, Charlie Coyle being a top-line center right now, how are we going to feel when these kids that have barely had any NHL experience end up up there? Because, like you said, we have an obscene amount of centers. So I actually think we're going to go out and get centers and move some, you know, some of these young pieces. But I guess, so I guess, thing, because you would know more about, especially like we have in the system, if you could name, let's assume, say, Bergeron plays another two years, and we decide to keep, say, Coyle and Corrali if they're still kind of all right, although Corrali hasn't looked like himself. Who down 
on Providence do you think would be, say, just to pick, maybe not even to replace Krejci and Bergeron in the top roles, who down there do you think are our two best potentials to be serious contenders for those center positions? Not just because we need people to go and play center, but... That's, t- that's a tough one to slide right in. I mean, I, I'm more or less the type of person that wants you to, to play that Marchand-type angle, play in the lower part of your twelve of your offensive 12, yeah. and work your way up. But, I mean, Studica is, it could feasibly be a second-line center. Um, he's, he's playing a lot better than he has been recently, uh, especially in his last five games. He's got a five-game point streak. Uh, three goals, two assists, five points. Yeah, I mean, it's just it, that's tough to. I mean, those shoes are so hard to fill, and with somebody with uh, minimal experience, it's so hard for me to project. I, I mean, I really need to see more time at the NHL level. Um, if, if, for instance, if if a, a player like Trent Frederick was to play that third line, I want to see it. I want to see where he, his capabilities are. Mm-hmm. I can't. I just can't say boom, boom, boom. Yep, there we go. Hit enter. My my PlayStation Four game just figured out a great scenario. I I'm not. What do you think about moving Heinen back to center? Do you think that? I'd rather him on the wings. Yeah. I don't know why. I just love him on the wings. Never really seen him much in center because he's like even when he was bumping up was up and down was more he played the wing roles. But just I'm thinking you give him another few years of seasoning. He's definitely. I mean, he already plays anywhere you want him to be. That. Maybe he might potentially grow into, like, if you had to put him in the second line center role. Yep. Uh, it's just so hard because who knows how long Bergeron will play or Krejci will play. Uh, but I do think that we'll have to do a lot of go out and pay some money to get people who are ready. Unless something happens. Because no one is really sticking out in my mind down there as for, like, pure center position. No, the Providence is having a real tough time this year. They, they started off really good. Uh, uh, top two, three in the Atlantic and now starting to come back to earth and start to be in the middle of the pack of the, of the division. And uh, it's probably due to the roster being ripped apart because the injuries up at the NHL level with the parent club, the Boston Bruins. So Jay Leach is kind of like, and Trent Whitfield, his assistant coach, are trying to like mismatch lines, see who works where. Um, and getting... Uh, chemistry on the fly is a little tough, as anybody knows, but that's that's the that's the part of the development that is um, is is how you learn in, in different areas and where you're placed. Uh, Jakob Lauko is a, is right now. I mean, he's a tremendous tremendous offensive threat in the pro, in the in the in the prospect system, but right now Jay Leach is using him as a third and fourth liner, left winger. So, I mean, that's the way that, that they work. And they want the, the younger kids to learn that grindy, tough role and work your way up to uh, to top minutes. So I like the way that they do that. Well, usually every year someone... Surprises Every you. year or two, someone surprises you and then they end up bumping into the fourth. Yep. It's really crazy. We always have an awesome fourth line, but it's always changing every other year. So Absolutely. We'll go from there. That was a good one, but some of them will have to be revisited. Well... I think we're going to end it right there because we're approaching two hours. We've been yapping at you this long. Can Sorry we we're not as that? upbeat as we normally are, but it's been tough a week. week. Tough week, but I, I, I do want to say thank you to Heather as always. She's awesome. Give me a high five. Yeah. All right. That was the weirdest high five. Yes, it was. <laughs> but um, I appreciate you being on the show and love the, the direction we're going moving forward. The interactions between each other have been fantastic. Love the in 
the uh, the studio feel instead of the online, uh, you know, dumpster fire that that can be on on a regular with technology and how well it works. Um, but I've heard many many people cursing technology on their oh podcast. Oh god, it's terrible. Um, but got to thank the listeners first and foremost. You guys are the ones that drive this train, and those listeners that participate in financially helping us uh, on the patreon.com slash Boston patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast website uh, check it out donate a dollar you guys are the best uh, and the other people that we do have to give a shout out to is our sponsors today's sponsor was uh, betonline.ag remember to use code CLNS50 and also um, bobbyorhalloffame.com slash store and use code BNG to save some money on some fantastic stuff from the Bobby Orr Hockey Hall of Fame. And don't forget to check out the store next door. Store next door, yes. They are not a sponsor of ours, no, but, but we are awesome. working together because they're awesome and we need to further the reach uh, to get their products that they make for these tremendously special people. Um, and uh, I just think it's great that we're, we're doing that yeah. and, and we're not accepting any money to do it. I will not do that. Um, so win yourself some money absolutely go please. shopping online and get these Heather tells you all the time please go to Apple Podcasts Spotify or any of your current platforms that you use to listen to this program and the Black and Gold Prospect Podcast and leave a review five stars please leave us a five star then trash us in the, in the written review that's fine that's great the five stars are awesome the reviews really don't matter but we appreciate all the ones that we've been getting are we yeah. at a count yet? I oh, have we reached 100? No, we're almost there though. If we could just get, I don't know, a few people to go out and uh, do we get that 10 this people. week. Because 10 you don't even have people. To do it. I think we're going to cross that threshold. Feel free to unsubscribe and resubscribe because you can then vote, vote again. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, jeez. I just do that. I'm going to do that to all my favorite podcasts oh, now. Um, yeah, no, I did the thing. So, sorry, I don't mean about the tapping. It's okay. This is like right Mike's now. right there. Um, but yeah, definitely go, please, please, please. It really, really helps. And I know you hear that on every single podcast you ever listen to, but I'm talking about us and I'm self-centered. So please go <laughs> out. Please, please, please. And, also, uh, also, holidays are coming up. If you need sports apparel, whether it be baseball, football, basketball, hockey, whatever sport, and fanatics.com has it, please go to blackandgoldhockey.com. Click on the banner to the right before shopping online. And any purchases there, we get a nice little commission. Uh, to help us again support the show all money goes back into the program and the website so it's funding what we're doing for you as a as, I don't know what would you say what would you say what we're doing as a we service are, we are, I don't I we're as we're a service. source of entertainment we're a service knowledge. not for Patriots players to go to and hang out on mm. a regular yeah no Bob Kraft yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding I'm kidding this is getting up no massages oh, can I just as we end everybody right now the 26th Write it down. That's when we play Montreal next. That's the next week. That's a pre-pre-game preview. That's not this week, but for those of you who also live and die for the Montreal game. Go. All right, we're ready. Thank you very much, everybody. Peace out. Bye. Thanks again for listening to and supporting the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. 
Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com, and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.